Hello, hello. What's up, everybody? Happy Tuesday. Welcome to It Is What It Is. Let's not panic. Let's not freak out. The sky is not falling. It is what it is. My name is Zach Luttrell. I'm the ringleader of the Roaring Riot. Sitting to my left is Josh Klein, the managing editor of the Riot Report. That's me, BC, the main supreme, and my man Steve Rowland. Yeah. Is, is that from Whoop? There it is. Is that what I? Is that my intro? That's my new intro from here on out. Is the intro rap from It Is What It Is. Uh, it is what it is. My name's Josh Klein, uh, managing editor of the Riot Report. As Zach already said, we are here to talk you off the ledge. You have uh, freakouts from this Sunday. Plenty of them, right? Yeah. Well, there was a fair amount to freak out about, but just calm down. The Panthers are two and zero. They won. They did. What did they? Freak out. No. Everything that I was reading is that they're not the worst two and zero team that's ever been in existence. Right. <laughs> that sounds familiar. Yeah. So um, let's uh, let's talk about the game on Sunday, right? Yeah, absolutely, man. Where do you want to start? How about uh, the? Let's start with the D. Let's start with the pretty part of the game, and then we'll uh, we'll parlay over into the not as pretty part. How about that? That sounds good. Uh, so the defense, right? So what are we freaking out about the defense? Why? How could we possibly freak out about a defense that only allowed six points in two games? Well, it, it seems impossible, right? The defense was solid. We only won that game because of the defense. So two weeks in a row now, we've held our opponents to three points. Um, and people are choosing not to be happy about that. Instead, what we're hearing is we haven't played anybody. The Panthers have only played the 49ers, who are terrible, and the uh, Buffalo Bills, who are terrible. So but don't get happy about that accomplishment, right? Because they're terrible teams. That's that's the uh, that's the story. But they're still NFL teams, right, Zach? Like they're 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 on the schedule. It's not like they're playing. It's not a Notre Dame situation where you line up East. North Dakota State and the guys that can barely field a football team, it's still an NFL team. Kyle Shanahan still is a fantastic offensive mind, right? I mean But they're these are bottom offenses, right? I guess the Bills led the league in rushing the last two years. True. So, and Shady had 120 yards his, his first Oh, well, he had 150 right? yards in week one and he had twelve in week two. Like are we not so we're just supposed to completely ignore that fact. So one of the best running backs in the NFL Maybe, you know, I, I don't want to overspeak, but like a top 25, tw- top 50 running back of all time mm, averages okay. less than one car- one yard per carry. Right. And we're just like, nah, the Bills stink. <laughs> I'm not even going to focus on that at all. No, the the Panthers have – there is a reason why Ron Rivera is coming out and, ta- and singing the praises of this defense. There is a reason why Julius Peppers is saying things like, this is the greatest defense I've ever played on. There's a reason why Kwan Short said it in the preseason. There's a reason why um, uh, somebody else that I cannot remember off the top of my head on the defensive line told me this was the best defensive line they've ever played with. There's a reason why everyone in the NFL says that the Panthers have the best linebackers in the NFL. It's because this defense is very, very good. Everyone but Tony Kornheiser, that is. Um, So, But should I not be worried that, although I thought he had a pretty good game, should I not be worried that, Bradbury was a little loose in that coverage there on Zay Jones, and, and a little loose. He was very loose. That was that was almost a heartbreaker, right? I should panic about that. Uh, yeah, yes, you should panic about it all. Uh, no, the thing the thing about the last possession, yeah, Bradbury has got to sink deeper on that final play. But the guy, the the team was in a prevent defense. So when you look at it and you say, well, Daryl Worley is playing off the whole last drive. Right. He's he's called to play off, and then is he once called they, to play off? 
as far off as he seemed, though? I mean, that you want to keep everybody in front of you, right? Are yeah. you are you do you feel better about a an eleven yard catch by Zay Jones or an eighty yard touchdown on on the final play of the game? That's why it's called prevent. It I know I get it. It prevents you from winning, but what it actually did was it prevented the Bills from winning. So it yes, Bradbury did not play that final play perfectly. But the reality is, is, is for the rest of the game, Bradbury was, for all intents and purposes, that shutdown corner that you want. I mean, they, they could not get anything going in the passing game. Anything. Tell me a good pass play from before that first drive yeah, or really before can't. that last drive. I can't. Yeah, I can't either. It's, it's, not, a, it's not a surprise at all that, uh, that Bradbury has played this way. Now, Looking ahead to next week, that's where the big test is going to be for the for the corners and for the defense. Yes, these these offenses were not fantastic, but against the Saints, I'm not saying that the Panthers are going to hold them to three points or going to not allow a touchdown all season. Of course they are, but it's if, their first real test. Exactly, it's their their first strong quarterback, their first offensive minded team that they're going to play. So we'll be having this conversation again next week, and we'll be reviewing. It, what it is after playing someone like Drew, Bre- Drew Brees yeah. and the New Orleans Saints offense. I think after you, when you rewatch this Bills-Panthers game, and even the, uh, the 49ers-Panthers game, um, the defensive line is in the backfield so much. K1 Short and Star Latulale, they get so much push up front that it's just hard for, it's hard for a quarterback to get comfortable back there. And while Brees is a mobile, it has, has a mobility of his own, he's not Tyrod Taylor. But the reason why the Bills were even acceptable on offense last week or on Sunday was because Tyrod Taylor was getting out and running for 12 yards when the pocket collapsed. I don't think you're right. going to see uh, 50 yards rushing from Drew Brees on Look, Sunday. I, I get it. I'll give it to you. If you want to pump the brakes a little bit because the 49ers and the Bills offense doesn't frighten you to death, I'll give you that. But no team has held opponents in the first two weeks to – Three points or less in since what, 1981? I mean, that's a real stat. That's older than me. That's the same age as you. All right. We, we didn't need to, do, you didn't need to do that. You could have just given me that extra six months or so. The point is, that is real, man. This defense is real. And obviously, they're, they're going to get scored on more. They're going to have bad games, too. But this, this defense is going to give the Panthers' offense an opportunity to be in every single game, which means they're going to have a chance to, to potentially win every single game. So, be excited about that. Yes, we'll have a good test against the Saints this weekend, but these guys are good. Yeah, there's there's multiple dimensions to the game, and sometimes the defense lifts up the offense, sometimes the offense lifts up the defense. And these first two weeks, the defense has lifted up the offense. The defense has not allowed a team in the red zone other than the one time they picked up a Christian McCaffrey fumble. fumble. So it's like, I, I don't know what else you want from a defense. Addison said it best on Sunday. If a team doesn't score... They can't win. Yeah. Is and it, that's it's that easy. It yeah, is what it is. It is what it is. If you hold the other team to not scoring, your team's going to win. <laughs> now, if you hold the other team to not scoring, you have to score a few points of your own, right? That's a good segue into the uh, the offensive play from uh, from Buffalo. Although Wilkes just he did say if the team wins two to nothing, it still counts as a win. So that could be all defense. <laughs> I mean, that, that that is one way to do it. So uh, so the offense, right? Yikes. Yeah, that's what everybody's saying. Yikes! Nine points, a uh, couple good drives. You know, certainly in the first half, and then the the one in the fourth quarter that Cam led, but three points each time with uh, a few really ugly plays as well. 
Yeah, um, I, I think that you know you don't want to make excuses for let's, an offense. Let's start with Cam, obviously. Okay, so let's let's not make excuses for Cam, but let's give maybe a couple of reasons instead okay. of using the word excuses. Okay. Okay. So Cam, obviously, you saw the ankle injury in the third quarter. Uh, he he was obviously he had trouble after that setting. He couldn't set his feet. The overthrow to McCaffrey was a huge problem. And he jumped on that throw. Yeah, uh, that's not something that he does if he's completely healthy. And I, I just don't think that I, I don't think that he felt 100% comfortable. The fact that he could come through and gut it out and make cer- some of those throws are fine. But let's let's make the the more wide ranging reason, right? Okay. What? It's rust. Uh, rust again. Yeah, still rust. Is it still rust? Still rust. Okay, how long are we going to say rust? Well. How many preseason games are there, Zach? There are four. Okay. Cam doesn't play in all four of those. Sure. Like, what, three. three, right? How three. many games has he played in so far? He's played in two games. Okay. And so, two, pass, two preseason passes. Okay. So I don't count the two preseason passes as a preseason <laughs> game. So so he's played in two games. And sure. luckily they were against inferior opponents where you can afford to play a little bit down okay. and still win those games. But we're, the, the rust coming off and getting his timing back, I don't know why everybody just assumes that's going to happen all at once and he's going to walk into the game and be – and so week two he's going to be 100%. It comes back slowly. It's a long season. And for you to expect for him to be at 100% when he had late off-season shoulder surgery, he didn't – I mean, it is what it is. But- However he was handled, he didn't practice for two weeks of training camp. He didn't play in the preseason – basically at all if cam is missing dixon if cam is missing mccaffrey on those wide open passes on uh, you know week week five week six then i'm gonna maybe maybe jump on the panic bandwagon cam's not gonna miss those passes cam is getting back into his timing like you said he's he's getting back into sync and it's really the first time that he's i mean it is the first time he's been on the field with mccaffrey so he's still figuring it out there's, there's nothing to worry about at this point. That's, I, I agree with you. Now, we say there's nothing to worry about right now. The other reason why I think is that the first two games they played, the Buffalo, Buffalo Bills and the San Francisco 49ers, both teams that have good, young, up-and-coming defenses. You look at a Bills defense with Sean McDermott, who basically everybody – the storyline all week leading up to the game is that Sean McDermott knows – how to stop the Panthers, right? Because he's watched them in practice. He has the he's going to dial up the blitzes, and then somehow, as soon as the game starts, everybody kind of forgets that those are the storylines, and they're just like, "Cam can't. Oh man, Cam really stinks. I can't believe it." No, it's still. I mean, that's Sean McDermott. Like he he is a good defensive coach. The and when you get when you also have a substitution, like you lose your starting center, your starting All Pro center, right? Immediately before the game. And Tyler Larson, 20 minutes before the game, then has to say, okay, now I'm up, next man up. That That's a problem. The, the, the times when Newton got sacked and was really hurried was, for the most part, when they sent rushers, when they sent blitzers. So six is a lot of sacks, though. What's, oh, absolutely. What, what's happening there? I mean, you were starting down that road. So uh, some some are saying Cam's holding the ball too long, which it looked like there could have been some of that. I mean, I, I watched a replay of the, the few of the sacks, and a lot of those plays, they were sending three or four wide receivers down the field towards the end zone, and, you know, Cam's looking down there, ignoring, uh, you know, a, a check down and, uh, you know, more of a coverage sack and holding the ball too long. Yeah, we keep we we, we keep saying this, and I feel like we're going to say it throughout the season. Uh Cam needs to take the layups. He's got to take the easier passes. He's got to take the checkdowns. And 
hopefully he will, but he hasn't been doing it the first two weeks. Um, I feel like when he does those short passes, those are his first or second reads, as opposed to, hey, they're bringing three blitzers. I should just be dumping it off to Ed Dixon in the flats. Uh, right. That makes sense. Now, the other thing is that if the Panthers are going to be successful, I'm sorry, that was are a big you, breath. I have a, yeah, no, I, no, I wasn't yawning. I'm just ready for my big – I have such a huge monologue that I'm about to say about the <laughs> offensive line. No, uh, the offensive line has just got to play better. I mean, they have to play at a better level. Is now the, Khalil worth the contract? Ugh. So I read something on Twitter that. a couple of days ago that said Khalil is a uh, – they're paying him like a top five tackle. Uh, Matt Khalil is making the 23rd most money out of all the left tackles in the <laughs> NFL this year. So let's just pump the brakes on how much money we're paying him. Yeah, he is getting paid a lot, but so are most left tackles. Um, it, it seemed like an eye-popping contract when he signed it, but it's, it's not as crazy as you might think it is. But he is still the starting left tackle, just like Daryl Williams is still the starting right tackle. And both of those guys are going to have to play better. Uh, Ryan Khalil, or I'm sorry, Matt Khalil, he he got blown by. He has trouble with speed rushers. He has especially trouble with the spin move. He just cannot get his feet under him and guess right against these guys. And Jerry Hughes ate him for breakfast. Now, right. you look at a guy like Jerry Hughes, Jerry Hughes had 12 sacks last year. Jerry yeah. Hughes is not me out on the defensive <laughs> end. You know, these, these, are, these are good defensive rushers and i'm not saying that that's an excuse i'm just saying that's a reason that, that it's all contributing to what happened it is what it is he, matt khalil is not the best left tackle in the nfl he's just not but the panthers don't need him to be the best tackle in the nfl they need him to be an average to above average tackle michael o'hare was not the best left tackle in the nfl but when he could give cam newton that extra second which I think that Khalil is should be able to do, hopefully. That that's what Cam needs. Now on the other side of the on the other side of the line, Daryl Williams had a bad game as well. Right. He uh, he he had two pretty crushing holding penalties. Brought back a uh, uh, I think it was a twenty two yard throw to Funchess and a pass to McCaffrey on third and fifteen that got fourteen. So if that if Williams doesn't hold on that play then they have fourth and one on the Bills' side of the field. So maybe they go for it. Who knows? You know, that, yeah. that's all hypotheticals. We don't really deal in hypotheticals. But we do deal in the fact that Williams himself accounted for negative 20 yards in holding. He did not – he gave up sacks on his side of the ball. He – in a goal line situation, he didn't really get his hands on anybody on that first rush where Shaq Lawson comes around and, and eats Jonathan Stewart for breakfast. Um he, he didn't play well, and he is going to have to play better, just like Matt Khalil is going to have to play better. It's, it's a long season. Is there any worry or long-term worry of Ryan Khalil's neck injury? Where'd that come from? I, I think anytime you have an injury, especially with somebody like Ryan Khalil that, is, that, plays, that plays with so much contact with the, with the defense and is so important to your offensive line, I think there's always worry. This, yeah. You know, that that is a... Where did this neck come from? Is that something you've heard of before with no, him? No, nothing. Hmm. And he said that he woke up with a sore neck on Sunday and then was ruled out 30 minutes beforehand. He also did say, though, just to bring back, to come back from the ledge, he said that if it was an emergency, he could have played. Right. So... If that's a playoff game, I think you're seeing Ryan Khalil in there. If that's a if that's maybe two weeks from now against New England, I think you're seeing Ryan Ryan Khalil in there. I, I think that no no coach is ever gonna say this, 
But when you look at a team like San Francisco, when you look at a team like Buffalo, you can get by without some of your bigger pieces. So that that might have had something to do with that. Okay. Yeah, I, I buy that. But you know, for me, the continuity of the offensive line, I mean, if you look back at our season in 2015 and their health and being able to stay together pretty much the, you know, the entire season, the same thing with Atlanta's offensive line. You know, to, to come into game two and see him with an unexpected injury um, and then to see the line not perform very well, I mean, that was, that was a little uh, concerning. Yeah, of course. But when before we start freaking out about it, week two. It's week yep. two. We don't, the, the team does not need to peak in week two. They need to peak in week 18 or 19. Sure. And that kind of leads into the next guy who is – won't be here for a while, and that's Greg Olson. Yeah. Uh, we, we went, whatever, 17 minutes without talking about the, the biggest injury uh, since since Cam Newton was concussed in week one last year. Sure. I mean, it's, uh, it is – Greg Olson is such a huge part of this offense that it's going to be hard to make up for him. Anytime that you're going to lose a top two guy in the NFL at any position – you're going to be in trouble. So for for us to come in here and say, oh, it is what it is, the sky is not falling, everything's going to be fantastic, and the birds are going to come out and sing, you can't quite get there with the Greg Olson injury. Right. So, but, so how do they come back from this? What do they do? I mean, the obvious, and when I say obvious, the fans' first reaction is, Gary Barnage well, the answer. I don't understand. He's the new Helen Iverson. It's Gary Barnage. I don't understand why Gary the Barn Barnage has gotten to be the, the number myth, one, the number one the tight legend. end in the NFL. Who's still like. unemployed? There's why a is he unemployed? Well, I, I said it. I, I said it about Adrian Peterson last week that I, I don't understand these guys that sit unemployed for so long. They don't worry me, and I don't know that the Panthers want to be the kind of team that signs a guy that was unemployed for three months that is tried out with probably 5, 10, 15 NFL teams and nobody wants to sign him. Why do the Panthers want him now? Right. So unless they're going to bring him in to be their third tight end, which I don't think they would, I think they're if they're going to bring in somebody as a pass-catching tight end, which is what Gary Barnage is, that you want that guy to be your number one tight end, I, I just don't see it. I, I think that they are – for me, that's a downgrade from Ed Dixon. So what what are the likely moves then? Uh, uh, I, I think that – so there's three options, right? The first option is they do nothing, and they they ride it out with two tight ends, uh, and they leave Dixon. Dixon kind of moves up into that Olsen uh, – into that 88 spot and runs his routes and takes his spot in the formations – they put Manhurts out there as the Dixon role, as the blocking fullback, as that tight end too. And then when they do want to run those jumbo packages, those three tight end packages, they bring in a guy like Amini Silatolu like they did on Sunday, or they bring in Taylor Moten to kind of just specifically be a blocker. Right. Now, I don't think they're going to do that, but that's an option. I'm just point, I'm just throwing it out there. Well, just, just touching on that real quick, I mean, it was already controversial not to have a fullback and have Dixon in that H-back, you know, that blocking role for occasionally. I mean, how if that switch happens, like you said, I mean, how is Manhurts going to fill that role? Is that That's even more reason to be concerned, right? Well, I think that it's, it's going to – that is the switch that's going to happen unless they go with option number two, which we'll get to in a second. I think there is no – so there is no replacing Greg Olson one for one. You can't say, okay, Greg Olson's hurt. Let's go out and trade for 
Antonio Gates because he's a pass catching tight end. We don't there there is no there is no move that can replay that can give you a hundred percent of Greg Olson. So you try and get it in in kind of smaller parts. Right. So you try and get from Ed Dixon, you try and get sixty percent of his pass catching. And then when you move up Chris Manhurts into that uh into that Ed Dixon role, then Manhurts you try to get 75 80% of Dixon's blocking. That's where the, that's where this injury hurts more than Greg Olson's catches and targets. You can replace a 1000 yards re- receiving theoretically. Your other guy your No, I mean, you know, when Kelvin so, ben, when Kelvin Benjamin went down in 2015, they didn't just wipe a 1000 yards off the board, right? right. Those 1000 yards go around. Cam Newton Several still throws players, just right. as much. It's not as if, well, Olson's not here. I guess we'll throw it 8 times less. Yeah. It's just not going to happen. He's still going to throw those passes elsewhere. So you can replace those yards, but what you may not be able to replace is the fact that Ed Dixon could play H-back, could play for that fullback role. Uh, you may not be able to replace that Manhurts is not as good of a blocker as Dixon and that Dixon is not as good of a pass catcher as Olsen. So it's hard to get to that 100%. Now, the option number two is go out there and sign or trade for a pass-catching tight end. Now, the only pass-catching tight ends I think they would be targeting right now are the super high-end guys. So you're looking at, like, Jimmy Graham. So you mean in a trade. The super in a trade, yeah, exactly, in a trade. So you're looking at, like, Jimmy Graham, Antonio Gates, even, like, like not a super high-end guy, but, like, a guy like a Clive Walford from uh, from the Oakland Raiders that that is kind of exclusively a pass-catching tight end that you're not looking to replace a – uh, a, a fantastic player like Greg Olson. You're just looking for that pass-catching output. Now, does something like that work in week three of the NFL season? Is Are those guys even available? Can you go out and trade for an Antonio yeah, what Gates? Are, what after are the Panthers he, giving up to get somebody like that? Second round? Third, third round that pick? I, yeah, I think third, but yeah, sure. I, I don't know. How much do you trade for the guy that just broke the <laughs> touchdown record for uh for tight ends well, i'm not saying that they i'm not saying that's putting even in a perspective guy. we traded it was a third round pick for olsen who had what, four five six years left in in his uh in, in his career what does gates have this year maybe next yeah but that that's a whole different story they they didn't value olsen the way that gate i mean go, olsen was not olsen when when the panthers traded for him okay so Fair. i i think that you're you're trading a lot on name alone and how you know you kind of have to think about how much the Chargers would just revolt if they traded probably the best player in Chargers history. Right. So I, I don't think that's really an option, but I'm just bringing but it up San as, Diego a, as an Chargers example. History, though. Oh, you're right. L.A. Chargers. Is, <laughs> is nobody. There's nobody in their history. Trey Boston. Yeah, 100. percent Um. So I think that there is. I'm just bringing those guys up as examples. I understand. I, I don't necessarily think that those guys, that that's what's going to happen. For me, I think the number one option and the best case scenario is the Panthers go out and trade or sign a blocking tight end to fill in for Ed Dixon. Right. So instead of moving Manhurts up to the tight end two, you move Dixon up to tight end one, and then as tight end two, you bring in a guy like uh, like a... Stevens from Tennessee or a Lee Smith from the Raiders. I'm not saying that these are specific guys. I'm just giving you examples of a type of player, a type of player, or like a like a Matt Spath if he hadn't f- failed a physical. Like these guys that are specifically blocking tight ends, and that's all you ask of them. So when 
when they come into the game, it's not they they can be on the outside and they're not a liability out there. Well, and the thing too is if you do move De- uh, Dixon up to that tight end one spot, like you were saying, the running game needs to stay intact. Someone needs to fill in for what he brings in the running game, and uh, it, it feels like the Panthers signing a a blocking tight end makes a lot more sense than going out and trying to get a, a big receiving tight end in this scenario. Yeah, it it definitely does to me. But, you know, we, again, we've been dealing in hypotheticals here for the past four minutes, and I do not like doing that. So let's let's just move on. And let's just say that Greg Olson is, let's break it down like this. It is what it is. Greg Olson is 31 years old. We don't know how his body heals. We don't know what bone in his foot that he broke to have surgery. I think it's alarming that they uh, announced immediately after the surgery was done that there was a six- to eight-week recovery time. How do they know that? Where's that coming from? So I'm not saying that he won't be back in six to eight weeks. That's that's a best-case scenario. That Let's hope that he is. But I do think that, that we may need to start getting mentally prepared for him to be out a little bit longer. Well, okay. So let me ask you this. Sticking with the offense, one last thing. One of the biggest concerns I've, I've been hearing is, and this, this has always been a concern from, from our fans, but as, you know, specifically after this game with the lack of creativity, is Shula the problem here? What, why do we only score nine points? Why can't we put the ball, why can't the Panthers put the ball in when they get to the red zone? Why does it, obviously the field gets smaller, but I feel like the Panthers' creativity just completely goes out the window, and they, they is that Shula? I think for it, – it's it's interesting, right? So Mike Shula gets all of the blame when every play doesn't work. And when a play works, who gets the credit? Does Shula get that credit? The players. Yeah, Cam gets the credit, right? Yeah. So when they run a perfectly executed high-low route and Cam hits a wide-open Devin Funches, Mike Shula get that credit? Or does Cam get that credit? Cam. Yeah. So Shula gets – all of the negative credit, he gets a negative credit. He gets all the blame. I'm not going to use the term negative credit. Uh, he gets all the blame, and he gets none of the accolades. Now, I'm not saying that Mike Shula is a perfect offensive coordinator. Uh, he certainly has some problems. I think that the the longer developing routes and the um, the fact that we continue to, to keep everybody in to pass protect and send out three guys to run routes – is a problem, but for you to come out and tell me that the guy that was the offensive coordinator behind a team that was that scored 36 points a game in 2015, 36 or 32, I don't remember, a lot of points in 2015. More than nine. Yeah, more than nine. Okay. They averaged, they were the highest scoring team in the league two years ago. I'm not, and Mike Shula is still the same offensive coordinator as that guy. I don't think that that is a guy that you can say, well, he is not creative. When you when you see Christian McCaffrey and Jonathan Stewart lined up uh, in front of each other out wide, you can't tell me that he's not being at least a little bit creative. And I, I know that there was a big outcry on Twitter when they ran that wildcat, right, uh, with McCaffrey. Right. That was a play that picked up seven yards in a first down in week one. Not in 2012. <laughs> One week ago, it picked up a first down. So for you to say, well, this this McCaffrey Wildcat never works, it works. But it's the NFL. Every play is not going to gain you 100 yards and a touchdown. So I'm, I'm not 
I'm not ready to worry because we've been playing the Bills and the 49ers, which are good defenses. Now, here's the other thing is that when we play the – I don't know why. Did I you keep, just yawn again? No, I'm not yawning. I'm just taking these deep breaths because I feel like I have something to say. Uh, whenever you hear me go, here's when I have something to say. Uh, when, the, when the Panthers – if the Panthers put up 12 points, 14 points, 6 points against the Saints, we're going to be telling a whole different story next week. But as of right now, I'm not quite ready to worry – about Mike Shula, I'm not ready to worry about Cam Newton, not ready to worry about the offensive line. I am saying that it should be something that we're thinking about, and we are thinking about it. We're talking about it, right? Yeah. But I just don't think that it's time to press the panic button and, OMG, what are we going to do with this whole Shula thing? Okay, well, so we do have the Saints coming up next week, and, and the little bit that we know about them from two weeks is their their defense looks as bad as it has been for the past couple of years. We know they can score, right? We know it's going to be a good a good test, or at least the first test from a fan's perspective against our defense this year. But this feels like a defense that the Panthers offense should be able to uh, get right's not the right term, but they should be able to break out a little bit more and have some more chances and opportunities this week, right? I agree. I think that uh, that this is the time when you will see the Panthers get right is not the word for it, but it's like almost get it's like get okay. You know, to to get a little bit healthy, not from a health perspective, but from a from a play perspective. Cam hopefully will get a little bit, get some of his timing. Will uh, McCaffrey maybe you'll see some of those breakout plays that everybody has thought were was going to happen on literally every carry. The Saints secondary seems to be in a, in a <laughs> bit of trouble. So <laughs> they're they're not so good. Um, <laughs> it's it's interesting that they just they continually have a bad defense. I, I don't know how exactly that happens. Probably because they pay Breeze what seventy five million dollars a year. They keep trading good offensive players to strengthen their defense to only be the worst defense in the league every year. Yeah, I, I don't think that you're going to see. Um, I don't think you're going to see Cam Newton throw for three touchdowns like Tom Brady did in the first quarter, but I do think that you're going to see mistakes made, and the Panthers have to pounce on those mistakes. And the same way, this is, I mean, this is a very generic preview for any game, but the same way that the Panthers have to pounce on those mistakes on offense, they can't make mistakes on defense, and they have to tackle at the point of the ball. That's been that was the absolute best thing that they did against the Buffalo Bills was they did not allow. LaShawn McCoy to break that first tackle and then run for 25 yards. When right. they, when he had the ball, when they put their hands on him, he was on the floor. Yeah. And they have to do that against these guys like like Michael Thomas, you know. They the, they have to limit the explosive plays that the Saints are known for and the Saints have always been able to to execute. Yeah, absolutely. And and you can get up on this team, on the Saints team and then just kind of ride your defense for the rest of the time, which is what I think I think is going to happen. I mean, you can get them to abandon their run game pretty quickly. I mean, you know Peterson is going to be in there for nine snaps exactly. So once he's in there for nine, you could just count him out. You're giving him plus two. Six and eight so far, or the number of carries he's had, right? Oh, carries, yeah, but he's in for nine snaps. He oh, said gotcha. he was in for nine snaps in week one and then said, I didn't sign up for this to be in for nine snaps, and then he was in for nine snaps on week two. So I wonder if Sean Payton did that on purpose. In my mind, he did because I'm a petty person, and I would really enjoy that. But – um. I don't know if that's the case, but I think that you can get you can get a lead on this Saints team, and I do think that the the Panthers' offense, if the Panthers' offense does not show up this week, I, I think then it's time to press the panic button. I know that it's just so interesting to me that everybody always wants to blame Mike Shula for everything. I mean, is that 
am I just a positive person and I just don't think that that is that that's the case or am I am I sticking my head in the ground? Yeah, I don't I don't have a good answer for you on that one. It's just an interesting it, it is just so interesting when you go onto a message board and you see every single thread is Shula needs to be fired. You have to fire Shula. Shula's got to get fired after this one and it's like, you know, sometimes teams have bad games and the Panthers offense was not right. They were without their all-pro center. Their uh, all-pro quarterback is is still sh- trying to get it together. They have two new pieces. They lost their maybe their favorite offensive weapon halfway through the second quarter. At what point do we say, okay, well, they had a bad game. Let's move on to the next one. Yeah, we say it now. We say it now with the Saints coming up and, uh, you know, like you said, a good opportunity to, to put some points up and have the, have the offense – really show what they can do, right? Let's hope so. So <laughs> let me ask you some questions. Yeah, I'm ready. Flip it on its ear. Um, you're the ringleader of the Roaring Riot. Tell me a little bit about what happened riot-wise this past weekend. Well, we had our, our first tailgate with the purpose, home game tailgate of the season, and uh, we switched to our, our new format as I went into uh, a little bit la- on last week's show, and it was an outstanding success. I mean, there were definitely a few bumps um, that we need to correct, and we will correct before the Saints game. Um, you know, we expected that. I mean, certainly we weren't going to uh, switch formats and it'd be perfect right away. But from an overall charity donation aspect, I don't have the exact figure. Uh, we're almost there with it. And we want to share that later in the week. But I can tell you uh, it was just far and away beyond anything that we were experiencing last year. So, um, you know, the, the, the lines weren't as long. We, we weren't as crowded as we had been in the past, which was also a goal that we were trying to accomplish. We wanted to go more of a quality uh, versus quantity in our tailgate because it was really just getting overrun, too crowded. The experience just wasn't what we wanted it to be. So the numbers were good. Uh, the donations were great. Uh, we're going to tighten a few things up from a service aspect on our end and be ready for Sunday. But we had a blast out there. I mean, it was hot. I, uh, I showed up in a shirt with no sleeves with the intention of just sweating through that while I was getting the, the tent set up and getting the tailgate ready. And I ended up wearing that into the game because it was I never stopped sweating. It was it was hot out there. You're kind of a shirt with no sleeves guy, though, right? <laughs> I mean, I think we can all agree with that. Anybody that knows you knows that you're not going to want to wear sleeves. Yeah. I mean... Sleeves, <laughs> never heard of them. Yeah, exactly. You have one of those tuxedos that you rip the sleeves off of. Uh, to show your muscles during your wedding. Uh, anything exciting happening today specifically? Yeah, today, this Tuesday. Today, uh, today's a big day actually. We uh, there's a group of us, about about fifty or so of us, heading out uh, for an event called Cruising with Cam. And uh, you know what we're doing. This is a, this is an event to benefit the Cam Newton Foundation completely. And and people um, bought tickets to head up to Lake Norman tonight. We have a two-hour cruise where Cam's coming to uh, hang out with us, the fans. We got DJ Vinny's going to be spinning. So we're just having a nice little preseason party with Cam, with the fans, kicking it off uh, and raising a little bit of money for his foundation at the end, uh, while we're doing it. DJ Vinny, um, what a what a pull! I'm so yeah. excited for DJ hey, Vinny. Exactly. Less excited for Cam Newton to be on a boat with all of his fans, and more DJ Vinny is <laughs> going to be big time. And uh, I know that you guys gave away some signed cleats at yep. the tailgate. Yeah, we're that's something new we're doing this year. So last year we we always had some type of signed uh, autographed Cam merchandise gear that we gave away, whether it was cleats, a ball, jersey. You know, we we did it physically at the tailgate. Um, you know, such a, a 1995 process. So we 
we upgraded a little bit and actually through the Roaring Riot app that you can download at the App Store, each week we're going to be doing um, our, our raffles through there. So next week we have a, uh, a signed cam football, an autographed cam football that we'll be giving away. And that way we can open it up to not just the people who can physically be in Charlotte. And, um, you know, we give all of our members around the country, around the world, really, the opportunity to participate and win that gear. And, and if you win, uh, we ship it to you. So th- this past week we gave away some autograph super cam under armor cleats which i don't really get into the whole cleat thing that much but those were amazing cleats, they were man. super sweet i, I, saw some I wanted a... to try to figure out how to keep them for myself but jonathan taylor won we do it fair and square and uh we'll be shipping those out to him this week awesome uh so i think that's pretty much it for this episode of it is what it is uh we hope that you saw what it is and also what it is not yeah I, we haven't quite we gotta, gotten we the... gotta get better at the closing yeah we're, no we're, we're, we'll be working on that it's working. only week two josh is a little rusty uh we'll be better exactly next week. i'm gonna get better next week we're gonna slowly get our timing down i'm the cam newton in this situation and you are graham the... no <laughs> it certainly is the a perfect comparison graham Gano. so uh thank you guys very much see you next week yeah yeah I love the outro. I love the outro. Hit that beat, yo.